Welcome to the Intercut Podcast, the weekly show going over the TV, movies, and entertainment that people can't cut away from. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, he's just been born into the world of Kendall Roy, it's Arturo Zurita. It might be the opposite, Zach, so don't curse me like that. We still gotta wait for that finale over here, but damn. Probably my favorite episode of Succession just aired this past weekend. If you have not caught up on the show, I didn't think it could get any better than what it did last night. I was dumbfounded. Just literally woke up, rewatched the episode yeah. again yeah. just before we came on this live stream. So not only do we have that, but we also have a buttload of movies. Zach, the movie theaters are back. Yeah. Movies are back. Who who would think? Crazy. It's crazy how staggered. I thought they were going to die. They told us that movies were done. Yeah. Everything was going straight to VOD. We, we were seeing things go to PVOD, whatever that's supposed to mean. Nah. Yeah. Things are in theaters to stay. A lot of movies that are – a lot of good movies available only in theaters. Some good stuff available at home too. We'll get into all Great of stuff. those things uh, in a little bit. We'll talk about Belfast. We'll talk about Power of the Dog. We'll talk about Tiny Wu-Tang. Why not talk about Tiny Wu-Tang a little bit? But first, make sure you're subscribed to the Intercut Podcast, either the video podcast on youtube.com slash intercutpod or the audio podcast available on most podcasters. Also, follow Intercut on social media, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We are at intercutpod. That's at intercutpod. And that's short for podcast. Also, make sure to pledge at least one dollar a month you could you don't have to do that but we would appreciate it you can go to patreon to support the show for as little as one dollar a month patreon.com slash intercut pod and then you get to hang out with us on our monthly google hangouts we're gonna actually be doing a google hangout after this stream so not too late to head over to patreon.com and get in on the fun uh and also be sure to leave us a five-star review on apple podcasts Getting a new five-star review on Intercut makes me happier than when an LCD sound system song is played in the background on Succession. <laughs> all bangers all the time, wow. Art. All bangers all the time. He gets pretty happy when that happens. I'll drop a five. <laughs> uh, you know, we usually start this thing off with what we've been watching, but I actually think uh, it's worth heading over to the internets where I'm – I think – oh, no. I might have just closed the tab I need, but it's okay. We can figure this out. Uh, we're going to the Wheel of Names to figure out who is our winner from last week's Minari giveaway-related oh. uh, giveaway. The early Lee films Isaac of Chung, yeah. Isaac Chung. Uh, we did a giveaway. We asked people to comment their favorite film uh, of the year so far. Uh, and did I win? I mean... You you definitely won. You win just because I you get to be involved in this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, we are we are given away thanks to the people at Film Movement. The early films of Lee Isaac Chung. Appreciate uh, you. Oh wow, we really do have a wheel. Yeah, we got the wheel of names going. So we're uh, gonna do this right now to prove that I'm doing this randomly. Thanks to all of you who uh, left a comment on the last video, and shout out to. Oh, it's close. Kyle. Kyle Laverly, Lavery for uh, leaving his comment on the last video. Kyle wins the early films of Lee Isaac Chung. What a wonderful package. What a wonderful 
giveaway. What a wonderful day for all of y'all, of all, all of us intercuties. Um, Kyle, uh, <laughs> hit us up at intercutpod at gmail.com. We'll, we'll respond to your comment. If uh, Hopefully we can hear from you in the next couple of days and get that DVD set out I to you. Yeah, all that stuff is really helpful to us. Anyway, uh, let's get into the way we usually start things out here with a little bit of what we are watching. Uh, Arturo, what are you watching? What do you want to start out with? So many things that are out in theaters right now, so many things that are out on um, streaming slash PVOD. Uh, I want to start with a streaming one if that's cool. Yeah. Specifically one that I think you at the New York Critics Film Festival Ooh. called Power of the Dog. We were All asked right. a question a while back in terms of what we thought would be one of the best uh, movies, not just the best movies, but one of the uh, best picture nominees slash what we think would win so far. And I had said Belfast. Here's my review for Belfast. No. Uh, Power <laughs> of the Dog, however, I believe would be the one that should take it. I was blown away by this movie. This is one that you can stream right now on Netflix. At home, I know it made the top ten, but if you can go see it in a theater, damn, go see this in a theater. Um, it is a slow movie. I hate having to say that, but I know for some people, uh, it's just it's just knowing to to be patient Definitely with a it. Slow burn. I though, with, I didn't even look, and I feel bad saying that because I don't think it qualifies with the slow burn aspect no. of it. Like, yes, it's slow, but there are other movies where I feel the need to be like, it's a slow burn. Keep with it. The acting in this movie is profound, and uh, the story just. Uh, it gripped me, even knowing that there was something that I needed to look forward to with the ending. It is based off of a book um, that was written by, I believe, Thomas Savage. He would then go on to inspire the author who would go and do Brokeback Mountain. She even does the foreword for the book. Uh, we went to go pick it up because <laughs> I, I know that there is a lot more that's still in the um, uh, the novel that didn't make it into the movie. Some obviously because it was changed, but also because they, uh, they, they cut out a lot of scenes mm-hmm. that they actually did film. So... I don't know how Jane Campion is on director's cut, but if y'all make a criterion, please add those scenes. <laughs> it is the story of this rancher played by Benedict Cumberbatch who really wants that Oscar. Mm. Uh, and you're seeing kind of uh, his internal struggles and what he's going through. And I love the movie because uh, it, it's a Western, but it's almost like uh, inverted in the sense that there is no gunfight. All of the violence and everything happens like with this man tormenting mm-hmm. his brother's wife because they're, they're just trying to live uh, in this farm. It's more of a mental and emotional violence than it is a physical one. Exactly. And I absolutely loved it. The way that the characters play off of each other, the rewatchability of this movie when you go back and you notice that there are things from the jump are fantastic. I know we were uh, going to we are going to be talking about it in the stream and we even just recorded a video for West Side Story, which <laughs> I feel just snatched up the cinematography award. But damn, dude, the cinematography here, if you could pull up her name, because I, w- I was listening to a whole uh, breakdown on how she did it. She had also worked on Zola. I don't know how you go from Zola to a movie like this, but that is versatility at its finest. Completely right opposite films. Uh, Ari Wegner, that, that is a name I do not want to forget. Fantastic uh, just the movements here. As a big fan of Westerns, just the way that they were able to do the sweeping shots. We are talking about the blocking in West Side Story. Finally, sweeping shots back in Westerns. Yes, baby. Uh, and the way that they're able to hide characters in the shadows, because, again, none of the tormenting that's happening in this movie is even happening face to face. A lot of the actors weren't even in the same room with each other. They were, uh, you know, they were all just 
shot in a way and blocked in a way um, in this creepy house where you're, you're feeling kind of the torment. Another reason I say watch it in theaters is because uh, sometimes it's the sound that's haunting you. It's like, you know Benedict is in the room, but not really. You're just hearing his, uh, not just his boots, but the spurs of his boots. Um, I also think Jesse Plemons does a fantastic job in the movie playing the brother uh, who has to take a lot of the, the you know, load to a degree. But Cody Smith McPhee, when you rewatch yeah. the movie. I, I told you the boy is... It, this man's performance. The boy's Talk an Oscar him, contender Dude. this year. Like a like a sneak, he, a real sneak performance in this one. Very sneak performance, man. I, there is an element with him that a lot of people have finished the movie. I think you said it as well. And even myself, I went back to, to catch some things where you realize, like, uh, the, you need to be paying attention to it. it it's not in your face. It's a, a, a nice subtlety that happens throughout the movie um, that, again, rewards you when you when you watch it again. And I... I want to find a screening of this in a theater, dude. I, I think they absolutely killed this movie. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to it. My my only gripes would be I never have been convinced with Benedict's American accent. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it sounds Montana-ish. I just don't like what he does in American accent in general. That's just me. Um, it, the movie also takes place in Montana, but they shot it in New Zealand. Interchangeable, I guess, to a degree with the mountains. But the moment they brought our girl in, bro, Thomas and Mackenzie's in the movie. <laughs> For a moment? And they just... Dude, they just said, pretend like you're in New Zealand. And they literally, like, I was just like, wait, why are the two, like, maidservants from New Zealand? Um, there is an interesting aspect of that, I guess you can see when you compare it to the Westerns and, and the history of New Zealand. But, uh, yeah, those would have been the only gripes that I have for the movie. I cannot wait to uh, finish the book. I am, I, I'm completely enthralled with this movie. Again, I know it's slower for some, but I think it definitely rewards you if you're paying attention to it. And seeing all the little details that are in there. Um, and Henry Bronco this. Henry Bronco that has become <laughs> a new forget in this house. The things uh, that I, film I Twitter, that Twitter will turn into a meme are just ridiculous and wide-reaching. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, there, we have a few people in the comments. Shouts to Ants who uh, said that they need to needed to sit with the movie. Uh, Vishal saying here, you need to sure. sit with it and let it simmer. And I think, yeah, it, it's definitely a movie that like really does kind of get under your skin a little bit. And when you can really think on the th the different layers of things happening here, th there's quite a bit going on uh, that's really interesting. I, I liked a lot of the performances, um, but it, yeah, I've I've been trying to talk around it without spoiling the experience for you. But how about that last couple moments, though? How about that last little bit that uh, that movie leaves you with? Just an absolute... We immediately rewinded it. An absolute, like, haunting, shocking, but, like, moment that where all the pu puzzle pieces feel like they fall into place. Um, Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. One, of, one of the best moments uh, of the Pink year. Sweet. Pink Sweets is 100% right. Johnny Greenwood needs to relax. <laughs> Man, like... Needs... Uh, Spencer. It's cr at least like Licorice Pizza has this. kind of a minimal score because like otherwise Licorice have... Pizza finishes and I see his name and Alina and I go like what is up with this man? He's about to have that Soderbergh year where right. he lost Best Director to, to himself. himself. Unbelievable Un stuff. And, and, and akin, to, akin to Spencer, it's a it's a movie where uh, be it you know you're thinking it's a biopic but it's really a horror. You think it's a western but it's a psychological terror. Mm -hmm. He is just he has hit that wavelength completely, making it uh, making the whole atmosphere feel creepy. So yeah. On all cylinders, from cinematography to the score to the production design, they built the house, and again, just the acting all around. Fantastic, fantastic movie. I'm having, Highly recommend. I'm having trouble finding the tweet, but I, I somebody 
put something really interesting about Benedict Cumberbatch's performance because um, Benedict is kind of like a weird choice for like a hyper masculine, rugged uh, westerner, you know, like farmhand kind of guy. But I think in a weird way that helps I'm his performance here because like so much about what he's doing is kind of like like pretending that he is that yes. person, and it, I think it kind of just makes it that much more like it really sells that latter half of the movie for him so so well uh he's a guy who when he first kind of started popping up is like oh this is an actor to watch like i liked a lot of stuff that he was doing early sherlock and stuff um he's he's been sort of like off the off the path of like performances that i like he does maybe a little bit too much in some stuff i think but this is the kind of performance that i had been hoping to see when i first uh became aware of him as a performer so yeah uh really good movie expect to see a lot more of it in the oscars discussion although like for some reason i feel like it hasn't been generating as much hype recently like maybe now that it's on netflix people can start yeah, catching now it's up with it for sure we'll, we'll see um should we get to the one that you weren't as convinced is going to be well i mean i don't know if you're not convinced it's going to be an oscar player but i don't know if you're convinced oh, no, that it's, it's worthy of it's, that Oscar look, contention. It is an Oscar player. As soon as we finish watching West Side Story, right, and we're coming out of there snapping our fingers out of that movie, Belfast was playing on its final, like, screening that they were going to have it in the theater. And I'm like, you know what? Let me catch it on the big screen. Um, this was a Monday night. I, I knew damn well that by midnight, Belfast is available on VOD, so I could have got it at home. But you know what? If it was going to win Best Picture or if it was even going to be nominated, I would like the experience of catching it in the theater. Right. And – you watched it? Yeah. I uh, I saw it over the Thanksgiving weekend with uh, my my girlfriend and her parents, so it was a nice little, like, what family outing. Think? They thought it was lovely. They thought it was a really sweet, interesting film about, like, uh, a time and place that they've heard about and, and uh, you know, they can put visuals to the story. Um, you know, I think it's a – I personally think that this is probably high on the list – for best movies to watch with your parents of 2021. I agree. <laughs> I don't want to be negative with it. It's it's cute. It's just yeah. there there are moments in the movie where they're watching movies, and that's my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> yeah. They 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 do this really cool thing. I don't even know if it would be a spoiler, considering you know I think the trailers only show you um, the the black and white aspect of it. Yeah. Where you see them enjoying the the cinema that would inspire. Um, What's his name? Kenneth. Because to a degree, it is kind of like a, a mini biopic. Like he is supposed to kind of be the kid. I mean, he's even reading yeah. a Thor uh, comic book. This and he would go that out was, to direct Thor. That was pretty silly. Um, but but I don't know. Yeah, fun. Like, that was pretty silly. When the kid starts telling you about the Catholic Church, I was like, Kenneth, this is <laughs> bro. Kenneth, this is your fifty-five-year-old self putting it in your five-year-old self. Uh, what you felt about yeah uh, certain things. It's a cute movie. There's nothing wrong with it. It is the Green Book of this year. I think is what a lot of people compared it the yeah. moment it had one tiff. Green Book did the exact same thing for Tiff. I don't really have any negative things to say about it, mm-hmm. but those scenes where they're fully invested into the theater or when they're watching TV, I didn't feel that for this movie. But I still thought it was uh, beautifully shot, and um, it's a cute. It feels weird to call it a cute story, considering you know some of the ups and downs that happens. But uh, it was a fine little film, and I agree with you. Yeah. Cash this one with your grand grandparents, <laughs> right? Like, especially like if you have somebody who who is kind of interested in history, like maybe it's worth uh, 
it's it's a good movie to watch with them because then you can have these conversations about it because like ultimately this is while it's a nice movie it is a very simple movie <laughs> diet um, jojo <laughs> <laughs> yeah ricky buzz calling oh, it diet jojo bro. rabbit here oh. um uh, so some people have made a comparison to Roma because they're both black and white films that are story uh, stories about uh, the things that their filmmakers remember from the places they were born, right? But I think the major difference here is that Quaron, the, the Quaron character in Roma is a minor part of that story. And the film is Thank actually you. about the maid played by Yalitza Aparicio. And that's uh, what makes that so good. Right. And it's able to tell a much more complicated version of the story. In Belfast, because the Kenneth Branagh figure is the focus of the film, the, the result is that it becomes about a kid's understanding of something rather than the thing itself. You know, it, it. I saw David Ehrlich, I think, on a letterbox said, it's a memoir that's told through rose-colored glasses. I actually think that's one of the things that's charming about it, but that is, yeah, ultimately what's going to keep it from being like actually a really impactful film, I think, is it's it's just sort of like these sunny memories of his childhood. And as much as I like kind of think it's cool, those moments that you were talking about where he's he's seeing some things in color, like it also like I'm not sure it belongs in this movie ultimately, you know? It's sweet, mm. but like what a, what is it telling us really? And I, I don't think there's a whole lot of there there as pleasant and and you know, decently well crafted as a lot of this is. It's got, you know, very uh charming actors in in these roles there's weirdly now judy dench supporting actress buzz which i don't understand because she's just sitting there um (laughs) yeah she is bro you know i i i think it's ultimately it could kind of be like you said this green book of this year because it's like it's not bad but it i think it i don't think it's a bad movie it, it sort of pretends it's bigger than it is in its construction we're we're getting uh, <laughs> Belfast is a dumb man's Roma in uh, the comments from Jay. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's the thing. I think Jay mentions uh, it would be an outrage if it won Best Picture. You know, it's sometimes like that happens to these. I don't hate it. If it wins, I'm a flip a tape. <laughs> that that's the thing though about these movies that are they, just they kind of traction. like yeah, yeah. like uh, if something gets that kind of accolade, you want it to be deserving of it and not just kind of okay. Uh, yeah, I just we'll see because I, I have seen it once some of the, some of the critic circles. You know, now that everybody's coming out with their stuff, uh, I have been seeing it snatch up a couple of awards, and it doesn't seem to be slowing down. But look, I don't want to hate it. It's just I don't. I, there's so many other movies out there that I want to see take the top prize yeah. in, in general. But it's on VOD, so you don't even need to leave your house. How about House of Gucci? Is that what you want to see take the top prize at the Oscars? <laughs> We'll talk about this a little bit more next week because I haven't had the chance to catch up with it. But, but give me your uh, quick breakdown of this one. House of Gucci is goofy, goofy, goofy all around. I wanted it House to be goofy. a goofy masterpiece, though. Yeah, it's House of Goofy, bro. I wanted it to be a goofy masterpiece, but it doesn't go too overboard. Do you know, you know what I mean? Mm. It It's outrageous. Well, no, I wanted it to be outrageous, but it it just barely gets there. But then it's not a good enough film to also like praise it for. I would say the some camp? of the storytelling techniques that he was. Yeah, 
There's not enough camp, and then there's also not enough of, like, the, I guess if you want to call it the Oscar bait drama sequencing of it. It really does feel like these actors, in particular, you know the two, Lady Gaga and uh, Jared Leto, going on screen, going off script, and then just having, uh, I believe his name is Jack Houston, the homie Jack Houston. Yeah. Is in, a, is in a scene with Lady Gaga. And I swear I'm looking into this man's eyes, the actor going like, this was not in the script. What is this girl doing? And we were just cackling at Lady Gaga and Jared Leto clearly making things up. They've already come up uh, that, that when she did the House of Gucci, uh, father-son House of Gucci thing, that that was an ad lib. That entire sequence when that happens clearly is them riffing on each other, seeing who would break first. No way. They. <laughs> <laughs> I'm barely seeing the House of Goofy thing that you put up. Um, yeah, that's this movie. Um I don't hate it, though. I had fun with it. I just wanted it to be a little better on either end, be it as a drama, be it as a completely over-the-top movie. But there are those elements where you are laughing at uh, what what these two – what these do with each other. Um, and, again, it's still um, – uh, what's his name? He hates us because we're millennials. We're oh, millennials. Ridley Scott? Why, why am I disrespecting the man back? Now you're really going to get mad. Uh, it is not better than – Last Duel. I think I prefer Last Duel, even with the issues that I had there. Yeah. Um, but it's still Ridley Scott doing a lot of his interweaving storylines in terms of how the characters uh, set up things in the beginning that you see come back later on. It's still a movie that I do want to rewatch. But uh, performance-wise, I know a, a big thing has been Lady Gaga being added to the mix of uh, Spencer and Tammy Faye. I don't mind Lady Gaga. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but what she know about Gucci? Uh, no, I don't. I don't see her taking the spot. But I have seen her win it in some of these award places. Um, you, even, even she'd be my number three. She's, I, I she's still, it's still a good performance. Yeah, but she's not in my top two that I would want to take it. I would still root uh, for Spencer and Tammy Faye. I hear that. Yeah. I mean, I guess it depends on the kind of performance you're going for, because it definitely feels like it's from a different school of acting than uh, what Kristen Stewart's giving mm-hmm. you, for sure. Also, Adam Driver, bro. I don't know where he pulled that accent out of, but I swore he was going to say, it's a me, Gucci. It was <laughs> insane. Uh, top three accents in ta- House of Gucci. Yeah, him, uh, Leto, and obviously Gaga. Yeah. Bless the soul of uh, Jeremy Irons. He was in, He was making a movie. Jeremy Irons was there making a movie. And then Al Pacino is, is a mixture between be, being a clown with these fools over here and then with Jeremy Irons. Uh, he really is the heart of the movie. I loved Al Pacino's role in this movie. But I'm also a fan of him in The Irishman. And I know a lot of people hated him in The Irishman. He's got a little bit of that here where he just comes in and he's like, I am here. I'm going to do my thing. Um, but yes, I, I I think for many people this would be a rented to watch it at home because it is a long movie, dude. This runtime is two hours and change. Um, yeah. Uh, but if you do want to catch it in theaters, I was able to catch it in Dolby. There were some select Dolby showings, and uh, a lot of the needle drops that they had, uh, they worked really well for the uh, the whole ambience of, of you know the excess that they live in. But it was okay. I wanted it to be a little bit better, but for me personally, I give it a junior price. Yeah, I hear that. Yeah, I'll catch up with it. I'm curious to uh, talk with you about it once I have actually had the chance to see it, because it, I, it seems like such an odd fit for Rid- Ridley Scott. I'm, I'm a little bit just like still confused why he did this movie because he can because he can yeah. take everything he seems like he just got he's doing whatever he wants including like telling off reporters and and you know dis, dissing millennials and dissing the f- family gucci <laughs> i i haven't seen the reporter one yet but 
Um, another movie that you saw that I haven't caught, uh, that I probably won't catch, is Resident Evil Wac- Welcome to Raccoon City. Tell me a little bit about this one. Uh, this is a very dark movie, and by that I mean that you don't want to see it on a very crappy screen. This is like that episode of Game of Thrones where everyone said they couldn't see the fight because it was too dark. <laughs> they go heavy on the contrast with this. They have rebooted the series, so pretty much has taken it back to one. All of the Mila Jovovich ones, they decided to pause those, which is weird because fans love those movies. Those are right. still – they never lost money with those. Um, but they decided to pause those. Those would take place in the future. And this is rebooting the series, and it comes from Johannes Roberts. He ha- he did 47 Meters Down, which I really enjoy, and I like his uh, style of filmmaking in terms of, like, to do it yourself, self-funding, you know, just doing it as raw as he possibly can. And I know he's a big fan of the game. As we've learned this year, a faithful adaptation isn't always the best adaptation, Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> He has elements that I think are really cool. I, I like a lot of the uh, practical and even CG effects that he has in the movie. Um, there are some moments where he's trying to recreate the games where you're like following the characters of, as if it was um, uh, a part of the actual video game. But the characters have to be some of the dumbest characters I have ever seen. Sadly, this is supposed to be the reboot for this new franchise in terms of starting up with what caused all the bad stuff uh, you know, with Umbrella uh, and the zombies going crazy. But bro, I swear to you, every single character in that poster is in a different movie. Yeah. Kaya truly thinks she's in a Resident Evil horror movie. That cop in the back, bro, he's in a Dumb and Dumber movie. Robbie Amell is in a CW show. Uh the girl who plays uh, the other one that you see in the poster, she barely got any screen time. And then the guy from Umbrella Academy, uh, again, he's like in a he's like in a Michael Bay movie. <laughs> the tones were all over the place for me in this movie, but I think there are elements that were done pretty well because he's a fan of the video games to the point that he got all the blueprints to recreate everything. Um, but then you only see like one room of the mansion. You only see one room of the police station. Uh, so if you're a fan of it, I think that there will be a lot that you will like because the crowd that I saw it with kept going, ooh, I know that Easter egg. Ooh, that's the song. <laughs> ooh, that's the lighter. So, yeah, I thought it was all right. This is definitely one to wait once it comes at home, though, if you're interested in this movie. But it's got an after credit scene. Stick for that because they're hoping to make this a really big uh, reboot in terms of the franchise. I mean, do you right. feel like there is a future for it, considering... Like, I, I don't feel like it was received that warmly. I, don't, I didn't see if it did even well at the box office, or... Yeah, I didn't really check that, but the thing is, is, like, uh, Resident Evil fans are avid. They love their yeah. movies, and the original series with Mila doesn't really cover the games as much as this guy who sees video games as books, and he's like, we should adapt the stories faithfully. So this covers one and two. He wants to come in and do three, Resident Evil 4, and then one of the other Resident Evil like spinoffs or something. So, to him, he's got a whole plan because he actually wants to adapt the storylines. Look, I'm not the biggest fan of it. I'm also not a person to take away someone from completing the story arc that they want to go to. And like I said, the after credits really sets it up. So, eh, do it. But all right, Let's <laughs> James Wan wanted to do it though. That's what kind of upsets me. James Wan wanted to produce these, and oh, really? it ended up falling through. That would have been really cool, man. Yeah, I feel like anytime yeah, you can get James fire. Wan on your project, like right now, you should do that if, if that's a possibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, uh, huge 180. Maybe the biggest one we'll make the, today in a day full of them. Uh, let's get to the latest from Paul Thomas Anderson. I think we want to save you. a bigger deep dive into this one for uh, next week when we're bringing on a special guest and, and doing some 
Paul Thomas Anderson, uh, bigger, a bigger Paul Thomas Anderson talk. He's probably going to be uh, a future topic of a podcast, hint. But let's just get into Licorice Pizza, the latest from I'm going to go ahead and just say my favorite filmmaker, Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, yes. What feels like the lightest movie he's done in quite some time, given that he's uh, spent the last few years on movies that have tortured elements in, in different ways, be that be it Phantom Thread or The Master. Uh, this, this is a much later fare, a coming-age story of sorts set in the San Fernando Valley. You have uh, Alana Haim and Cooper Hoffman both kind of making their movie star debuts in absolutely delightful turns. I thought both of them were really great here. It just, like, absolutely warmed my heart to see shades of Philip Seymour Hoffman in his son. And, like, you just kind of know that if Paul and Phil met when uh, Phil was 16 years old, that Paul would want to make this kind of role for him. Um I thought he was really great in a way that I wasn't expecting, too, because a lot of times with these coming-of-age stories, you get a very kind of, like, timid kid, especially somebody who's, like, looks like he does. I would expect him to be much more in a timid role, but uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, sorry, Paul Thomas Anderson has this, like, gift for dialogue that's kind of is so so much fun to see their interactions uh, that makes him a makes him a really great presence on screen. I think it's ultimately, though, Alana Haim's movie. She's so... uh, just draws your attention. She's so radiant in this movie. It's hard to look away from her. There's just, like, this attitude behind her lines that's so genuine. Uh, I really, really liked her in this film. You know, it's got kind of a loose story, but I just felt like every scene worked for me. So, I don't know. What was your experience with Licorice Pizza? I didn't think he was that good. Really? I thought he was all right. I think he's got the spirit. It's not fair to him. You also had uh, Newark this year, right? Where uh, Gandolfini's kid is playing him. And now you have, you know, him with the director who was really big with his dad. Probably made some of the best movies uh, under Anderson. You're not living under actors. You're living under icons. You're in the shadow yeah. of that. I thought he was okay. I didn't think he was terrible. I really, I actually really do like his character and the whole persona that he's got being this type of businessman. But there is a, a scene in the beginning where they uh, call out a character for repeating things twice. That was this kid's acting a little bit. I do agree with you with Alana Haim. She, she was really good in the movie. Um, coming of age, it sure is. <laughs> it is definitely a movie that I know people have been split even coming into it. Uh, I don't think that's going to change once it comes out. But it is. It is a fantastic movie in terms of following uh, these two and the ups and downs of what they're going through in the 70s. It's almost like vignettish in terms yeah. of their, they'll be starting one business and then, oh, yeah, I forgot that actor is super big and he doesn't appear till a segment in the movie way later on. Um, and they're just like weaving through in and out of life. Um, but, yeah, we'll have more, I guess, spoiler thoughts once uh, once more people get to see the movie. I believe it's got a wide release come Christmas, Christmas time for like most that, yeah. people. Yeah, but uh, I know a lot of places, if you keep an eye out, the Music Box had a special 70 millimeter, mm-hmm. 70 millimeter screening of it, and I know it's playing wide in New York, so uh, I think for the Paul Thomas Anderson fans, it's definitely going to hit all of the marks that you want it to. It's, it's, it's a hangout movie that he, yeah. that he made. Um, he's kind of moved away. I mean, I don't know if he's ever been a filmmaker who's given you very satisfying conclusions to a lot of his films, but like he, he sort of has moved away from 
maybe the more like traditional plot structures in favor of something that it is a little bit like scrappy is a little bit cobbled together but kind of mm-hmm. for me while it can feel a little bit strange maybe in a, on a scene to scene basis um for me i feel like just the ultimate effect of the movie is so so like pleasant and it what it's what sticks with me uh it's all those pleasant moments and not necessarily the up and down, not knowing where the story is going, you know? And then when you end up rewatching okay. the film, you don't have the weird expectations and you just get the pleasures of it. So, I, you I know, I, I don't think this is in my, like, top five PTA on my first rewatch, but it's one that I can already feel myself growing fondness towards. Just thinking back to some of the needle drops, like the the Life on Mars needle drop and the, the Paul McCartney needle drop are just, like, ridiculous in this movie. I, I, it's just a movie full of uh, things that I would have probably fallen head over heels for had I seen it at 16, you know? Um, so not for me, like, the best PTA, as uh, Cademan is asking in the, the comments here, uh, and, and I don't, wouldn't even say it's, you know, really fighting for a top, uh, one of my top five spots because I love so many of his movies, but it's also not like bottom tier PTA for me. It feels like right in the middle. Um, obviously there's, there's a bunch of great performances in the, this one, uh, aside from, you know, it's leads. Was there anybody in particular that stood out to you? Um, Blanking on the actress's name, who plays the casting director. Yeah, Harry. There's no reason. There's no reason she snatched up that role. Just ran with it. Unbelievable. Not going to say anything else about the performance. Just when she comes in, just steals it. Mm -hmm. On the opposite, comes her movie for five minutes. She. It was theft, bro. Literally, right in front of. Yeah, just stole the movie. Um, She got because you know it ends with the credits showing everybody, and she got one of the biggest round of applauses, and someone. Uh, one of the other actors in this movie almost got a boo after the fact. And there is a particular moment in this movie where you have a dude who kind of, uh, he runs a restaurant. I'll just put it that way. And uh, my audience laughed at one of the jokes that deals with uh, him running a Japanese restaurant. And then the second time around, the laughter got smaller. And then by the third time he did it, they were like, nope. So when it came to the end credits, everyone was clapping for every single person on screen. He came up quiet. Yeah, John and then it's Higgins. followed up by, uh, yeah, yeah. I'll just, I'll leave it there, bro. Because I'm just, I'm gonna just leave that there. Uh, but when it came down to the other actors, yo, they went back up. So it wasn't that they were tired clapping. They just <laughs> they did not feel like clapping for that man by the end of it. Take yeah. that much. Uh, but they definitely laughed at his first joke the first time around. <laughs> that that is a scene that I don't think plays as well in a theater. I think you under oh. you might understand that scene a little bit better if you don't hear like instinctive applause, uh, not applause, but laughter from people because that made it uncomfortable to be to be to I be do. honest. Yeah. But yeah, there's a bunch more spoiler stuff that I want to get into it. I actually yeah. do think that as loose as it is, it's not as loose as like, you know, behind the scenes of what he did for Inherent Vice. I think that it's uh, it reminded me a lot of um, kind of like a Days of Confused type style where you really are just hanging out with the characters trying to get like a day in their lives. Uh, Weirdly, and... I thought of Rushmore because they're such schemers Fair. the same way that uh, Max yeah. is in that movie. But no, there's a lot of other elements that he kind of ties in. And I, I, I think it's a... Uh, I won't say depth, but there's definitely more motivations in the script on how they play off characters and who they meet 
who they meet when they meet them. Like right. it plays a lot to their relationship. But we'll, we'll have a whole we'll spoiler discussion. We'll All right, uh, let's go from "Let Me Roll It" to the Beatles. With the Beatles "Get Back," I've seen the first two. You, I think, have nice. seen the first one. The first. So we're not. We're which not. Which is like three. <laughs> yeah, which granted is like two plus two hours at least for you. So yeah, it's two and a half hours. Uh, it's plenty of material, enough that I think we can talk about it. Uh, and I want to talk about it because I think this is one of the most Fantastic. incredible pieces of content that we've gotten in quite some time. And it's also just amazing to me that we are getting this and the last dance in back-to-back years, like the possibly the, the GOAT. Uh, team sports athlete and the goat band, like just getting these yeah. like, huge immersive looks at both of them. It, it's, it's blows my mind a little bit. Um, and it's interesting also to kind of look at them in comparison to one another, because while I think the documentary filmmaking is a little bit more impressive in the last dance because of the way it's all structured, it moves back and forth in time. It's able to, to uh, use the past to inform the present in, in this really interesting way. I, I feel like just to be a super fan, you get a better experience with a documentary like Get Back because you are just a fly on the wall for these incredible moments, these these incredible conversations, the kinds of like privileged backdoor behind the scenes access that you would never imagine existed. Like, how is this footage not already out there? How how are, are people just seeing this stuff now? How did they how did they think they were going to fit this into a two hour movie? Crazy. Leave it to Peter Jackson, man. I I just want to say that the idea of cutting up moments and uploading them on Twitter only because you know there's a bunch of Twitter changes that are happening, and I know DMCA is becoming a big thing. I know so many people, myself included, who knew about it and had it on the back burner. But the moment I saw those people sharing those clips about how Paul McCartney just was taking songs out of his back pocket and coming up with them on the spot, that's what got me to watch the first episode immediately. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, it is nine hours long, split into three episodes. Um, so that, that, that is some of the best marketing that you can do for, for a series like this. Let me ask um, you, do you think it's too long, too short? Like, What do you think? Right, The right length? No, I think it's the right length because it's streaming. You can see it as a series. I actually love the way that you compared it uh, to The Last Dance because no one would say The Last Dance is too long because it's separated between 10 episodes. Mm -hmm. But because you split it into three episodes at two and a half hours, it feels like you're watching like a longer form of content. But uh, if you watch BBC back in the day, not even back in the day, the way they do it now, you know, that's how they release the Sherlock episodes. Each one was about an hour and a half. You only got like three to four per season. Um, So I don't mind that model at all, especially because it's on streaming. You can catch it at your own leisure. Uh, And I think it would hurt the story because one of the best parts that you have is just seeing the creativity come mm-hmm. from them you cannot rush that just seeing as it as it uh unfolds in front of you is majestic mm-hmm. and then just seeing how they play off of each other yeah i was reading some articles about you know just the dynamics within the band and you can see it unfold in front of them how the moment that two get very creative one of them gets like pushed to the side and i'm like i'm excited to finish the other two and that's because uh, i was a big fan also of uh, peter jackson's last documentary i want to say it was his last yeah. documentary the they shall not grow old or never grow old. Right. He worked. He worked wonders with that one as well. The way he was able to to bring back footage from uh, a lot of uh, military vets and literally <laughs> add motion to pictures. So the fact that he was able to take this footage from the Beatles wherever it was stored and restore it to a degree that 
it looked crispy, dude. It looked fantastic. And he mm-hmm. just he knocked it out of the park. And I, I love that the opening literally tells you, you know, this has not been modified in any way uh, other than to just set it forward so that you can see the events unfold in real time, mm-hmm. the way that they happen. And uh, yeah, no, I, I, I think it's the perfect length. You just got to find the, the time to see it. Exactly. They're cutting I mean, you 60 hours down a night. It's, they're doing a good job. Yeah, I'll, I'll do respect to Billie Eilish, who we liked her two and a half hour documentary earlier this year. But um you know, th- this is not Billie Eilish. This is the Beatles. And I think, like, you you can justify this length for a band that has the immense uh, cultural uh, cachet that the Beatles ha- have accrued over these many years, right? Like, people are going mm-hmm. to invest that time into it. And because oh, it no. lives on streaming and is divided up, it, like, gives you the chance to, you know, tackle it in parts. It's not, like, some- something you have to sit down in a movie theater and, and watch from start to finish for. Uh, I think it also makes it so that, like, I think the most interesting thing is uh, a lot of people have pointed out how you see them develop Get Back, the song Get Back from start to finish. It starts just, like, Paul strumming there, and then it just grows and grows and grows. Um, But the thing that's really cool is they keep going back to Get Back. They keep going back to that song and like, should we try it this way? Maybe the lyrics cool. are a little more like this. No, you know what? Let's let's strip it back down. And like seeing how their mind keeps changing is the best that. part of this documentary. Yep. You can't rush that. Yeah. You can't rush stuff like that. So. You cannot stop the creative process, Zach. <laughs> um, I, I, I think this one is incredible. I... I Really excited to finish it. Um, curious if people have been checking it out. You know, like I'm not trying to sound like like some Beatles guy. I'm not like a, a crazy Beatles fan or anything like this. But it's just it is pretty. It's the greatest talk of see. all time. Yeah, dude, I didn't know as I was like looking it up. Uh, you know, on John Lennon, um, and obviously the you know the assassination and stuff. That there was a Sundance movie called Chapter Twenty Seven. <laughs> That's the one that Jared Leto gained all that weight for, right? Starring Jared Leto. And Lindsay Lohan. Sympathizing and playing the man who... Yeah, and Lindsay Lohan on the assassination of him. What? We'll see, bro. All right. Uh, got one more thing into what we're watching here. Uh, because Stephen Sondheim, uh, unfortunately, passed away a couple weeks ago now... Um, and I, I was just trying to do kind of some some dives into his different works and, and just appreciate all that he's contributed. You know, I'm, I'm not uh, the most qualified person to make some kind of comprehensive statement on all that he's contributed to American theater, but suffice to say, like, he's one of the titans. And uh, I knew that, like, Company is one of those big, uh, those, those highly referenced pieces of musical theater that I've never actually... Uh, really, really immersed myself in. I've never seen the show. I've heard some of the songs. Obviously, like it played a bit of a role in Marriage Story, if you uh, were a fan of Marriage Story a couple of years back. Um, so I decided to actually go back and check out on the... It, it's available on both Criterion Channel and actually on YouTube if you want to just search for it. Original cast album, Company, the D.A. Pennybaker uh, documentary, which records the, uh, the behind-the-scenes of the recording of the cast album for Company, um, but has this like beautiful, beautiful look at just the process and the the uh, the, the all night uh, session that they had in trying to get these uh, incredible songs out of these performers. You know, I think D. A. Pennebaker does this really interesting thing in that he like gets so up close to some of the action that you you can see like the sweat and the strain in the in the singers' per- faces as they like try to. 
you know, hit all these really complex songs in perfect ways. There's some songs that feel just like tongue twisters, and there's this incredible stretch where Elaine Stritch is trying to get her voice to sing her big song, but it's like 4 a.m. and she's tired. Um, Really incredible. I can't imagine uh, caring, you know, if you care immensely about musical theater, I feel like this would be catnip to you. Um, It also was very hilariously parodied parodied on Documentary Now with John Mulaney, so uh, if you need an excuse to, to get into it, there's another avenue in for it, but... Yeah, I mean, it's an incredible musical, man. And I think they're doing a, a gender-swapped revival of it a on revival. Broadway. Yeah. Yeah, so now... Uh, I gotta go visit you. Co- yeah, come back out here and we'll go see it, because I, I really want to grab some tickets. Nice, yeah. I know Andres, when he, he actually came over when Marriage Story was out, uh, and I know Company is really big to him, so when he came back home from watching it at the Music Box, he's actually the one who scored me wherever, I think it's up there, my, uh, my little Marriage Story thing. Uh, he's the one who scored me that at the Music Box. He came back and he's like, they sing company and that is my favorite <laughs> this movie was made for me so yeah. uh he's spoken high high things about company so seeing that it's on broadway i don't want to miss that and i don't know if they'll go on touring but i heard it's really good and sondheim gave it its blessing um when he was able to catch in london before he passed mm-hmm. uh also uh, speaking of sondheim uh we both caught west side story uh i have my review up on letterbox if you want to see some more of my thoughts on it we recorded uh, a 20 minute review about uh, that we're, we'll get out on the channel later this week, so make mm-hmm. sure you stay tuned, make sure you're subscribed and whatever. Um, just to give quick thoughts uh, here while if for the people who've tuned in for the live stream, where were you when Steven Spielberg brought blocking back to movie musicals? Oh my God, it looks incredible. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's the story is still the story, but this <laughs> this it. man this man knows how to shoot a big, beautiful set piece, no? Uh, unbelievably so. I know a lot of comparisons were being done with the other movie musicals of the year, primarily in the Heights, which as much as I love, as we mentioned, there is just no denying that dancing is so much better when you can see their feet. And he just absolutely kills it. You know, in terms of the original, the story is still the same. I'm not the biggest fan of the story. Obviously, we know it's an adaptation of Romeo and Juliet. But uh, whereas the older movie has the choreography down, I don't think anything can ever compete with that. This new one just visually ups the ante in in ways that are just fantastic. Zach's talking about the blocking. They'll use items that have been in the scene the entire time, and then all of a sudden it'll be a part of the move, and ah, just absolutely fantastic. It is two and a half hours, so yeah. I know that that's going to be a pretty hefty amount of time to spend in the movie theater, but I think that it definitely benefits. If you're interested in this movie in any way, shape, or form, to catch it in Dolby because the recordings of the music, incredible. Uh, and one of the performances that I'm really rooting for, as I as I truly believe, is the best supporting of the year for Ariana DeBose. Killed it. Absolutely fantastic performance. Absolutely. Stand out for me. I know, Zach, you were also talking good things about Mike. Mike Feist? Yeah. very. Killed both it. of them. Excellent. Excellent performance. And he's from Dear Evan Hansen. That's what I forgot to say in the in, in our recording as well. He actually uh, did the original run for Dear Evan Hansen. Oh, really? So, okay. Yeah, he's got, some, he's got some musical theater in his background, too. All right. Uh... Shouts to Cademan in the live stream who brought up, have you caught up with the new episodes of How To with John Wilson? I know this is one of your favorites, Art. That was going to be my recommended for the uh, week. Okay, okay, we'll not? get there, we'll get there, we'll get there, we'll get there. Uh, so why don't we move on to some succession talk, I think, if we got a little bit of time here to just get into it. Because sure. we, uh, we're, running, we're running a little short uh, just talking about all the different awesome stuff uh, that's come out. But Succession... Uh, 
you know, hard to get into this week's episode with just without just going head first into spoilers. Uh, I want to back it up a little bit because I also thought that episode seven was one of the most incredible episodes of uh, Succession that we've had so, so far. I mean, this whole back half season run is turning into like just one of the all time runs on TV. I gotta say. Um, so yeah, I mean, let, let's start it off with a little bit of three Oh seven talk. Uh, it was too much birthday. Ken threw his ready to die party. Uh, it, He's going all in here. He's going full nut nut. Um, what do I have in my notes? Uh, he bi- he also built himself a stage and refused to take it uh, with his whole Billy Joel sequence, which would have been iconic, but even just the thought of it is pretty crazy. Just the uh, thought of it was enough. Yeah. yeah. This one was really... A, 307 was an episode where sibling rivalries really took center stage, as well as rent, romantic entanglements. Uh, Logan, Jerry, and the Waystar, Roy Lackeys mostly sat out. I think what we've really seen recently is Roman's ascent, though, uh, because uh, he's kind... If season one was sort of about Kendall trying to claim the throne, and season two was about Shiv sort of proving, trying to prove that she's worth it, season three has become Roman season. When his dad is ready to ruin the whole Gojo deal uh, with Lucas Matson playing hard to get, it's Roman the one who figures out to talk to them at the birthday party and then uh, mm-hmm. reels him in. I think you could say that Roman has kind of been like the power player of this uh, season of succession up until maybe this week's episode. Sec, this week's episode was not just one of the best episodes from Succession. If we were making our list, which we're about to, we're a couple of weeks out, yeah. this thing would probably be in my top ten of things watched. It's, a banger of an episode. It's I don't incredible. even know where to start. It's almost, like, literally all I can say is go watch the, the series if you have not. It is all on HBO. We're about what, one episode left from wrapping up season three. Yeah. Uh, we are definitely going to do an entire after credits spoiler talk for this that we will be recording soon. Uh, but for those who are streaming, we don't want to spoil it for you. This takes every character and amplifies everything you've already known and what you didn't know and explains why they are who they are. Uh, I, at first, you know, you're just enjoying the episode for what it is right a marriage uh they're getting ready for the they're getting ready for their mom's wedding um and there's a conversation that happens with chib and you're like whoa this is that was an outstanding talk and they're like well what if we follow that up with the conversation between uh papa logan and kendo and i'm like okay so that just happened (laughs) mind you i had just seen on sunday a screening a free screening at imax for uh denzel oh um What's that movie called? Tragedy of of Macbeth. Then I come home and I continue eating this beautiful dialogue that is served up to me uh, between this moment uh, on Kendall and and his dad. And I was just like, can I get any better? And then Shiv goes and does what she does after the fact. And I'm like, every every single sibling has had a moment here. Um, I wonder what they're going to do with Roman. (laughs) Oh, man. I mean, I... That might have been the hardest I've cringed at my TV in so long. There are three shots in that reaction that happened in that scene. That, <laughs> that are whole sequence all-timers. is beautiful. Uh, you beautiful. Know, 
Shout out to Kieran Kieran Culkin, who he he is such a gifted physical performer. The way that his body just like you, you can read his body language and how he's feeling through his his posture and his face is incredible. Uh, I point I think I pointed out on a previous intercut when like uh, they're trying to get him to sign the letter and he heals over like he's gonna throw up. Like this dude uh, in in three oh seven he there's another moment of that where uh, Matson brings up the idea of his dad dying and he's so uncomfortable he has to take his jacket off you know like it's it's hilarious he's so good on the show he's so good dude oh. but yeah overall uh i'm feeling for kendall shiv has completely become a monster like her father it is insane uh tom still continues to surprise me as my fa- i would have never seen that coming my favorite character in season three uh greg is cringier than ever and um Mathis. So who plays Mathis? Why am I blinking on his name? He's he's going to be a pop player, dude. I am. He is delivering everything that I oh, wanted him to uh, deliver. Matson, uh, Alexander Skarsgård. Yeah, he's so good, dude. He's so good. At he has. He's exactly in, what I wanted him to be in this. He's come in and been amazing on the show. You know, I think uh, right? they, they've tried and bring bring in a d- couple different people, and he has this like really specific energy where he's kind of like he almost like. You, you notice how he doesn't want to make eye contact with anybody? He's like got this social awkwardness, but also He's this unhinged. confidence. Yeah. Yeah. He's great. He's exactly – when I heard that he was going to be in this season, uh, I was very hyped for whatever he was going to play and he has delivered. And I feel we've only scratched the surface Yeah, because they're about to they're about a, you know, be married to this man in terms of business. So I, the, I can't wait. The look on his face when he sa- – or, or the delivery of when he says even the look on my face is commercially sensitive, so funny. So funny. <sighs> I know people have thought that there have been ups and downs for this season, but this season has, you know, we have one more episode left. It has wrapped up as being one of the ones I cannot wait to go back and rewatch as a whole because there have just been some fantastic moments that end up connecting, even on the slower episodes when people are like, oh, it's just all talky-talky. No, those episodes we took for granted when they were talking because now it's just everyone going for their throats. I I loved it. Again, one of the best episodes of Succession and one of my favorite hours Forget television, just of watching something in general of this past year. Absolutely loved it. Uh, you know, the whole, like, sex Vegas and pool incident and text to daddy, I think, has uh, overshadowed what was a really interesting thing uh, last week when we got, like, a bit of a culmination in some of the uh, brewing romance, should we call it, between Tom and uh, Greg? Uh, you know, I think people have been joking a lot about these kind of like sort of romantic feelings between them, but they like put it front and center in uh, episode three hundred seven. That whole in, uh, that whole interaction when Tom describes how he is at sex and Greg says to him, "Prove it." <laughs> I, I can see it there. I've always seen it between them two, but uh, right now I'm seeing it way too much in uh, Matson and uh, uh, Roman. Yeah, to me, that's that's where that is. It's almost like a uh, office relationship that they have, but they're so big uh, in terms of the the roles that they serve for each other's companies that it's on a, a whole other level. But I just love those two. I mean, I, again, at this point, it's the only time I feel sorry for Greg because when Greg is on his own, yeah, he really is batting out of his league. Poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, it's getting a little bit late, and. Uh... We it's hard to talk about this without getting into spoilers, but we, we'll do a full spoilers dive after the finale. We're, we're, we're sure there's going to be big things to talk about. I mean, there's already some big things looming. Uh, mm-hmm. 
Uh, but let's get into our final bit here before we wrap it up and head to our hangout with the new to see, where we talk about what's new in theaters on VOD and all the sort sort of streaming services. Art, why don't you kick us off with a film that we caught back at South by Southwest, or actually you caught it? I didn't get to catch. Mm-hmm. Back at South by Southwest, there was a bunch of COVID movies, and I think that we've gone to the point where there we have so much of them that we just get tired of them automatically. This was one that I know a lot of people didn't like, but you know, I, I would go up to bat for it. It does take place right at the beginning of COVID. And it's pretty much this couple that have broken up. They also work from home though. So that was never really going to change regardless of, you know, the whole switch up, but they now have to quarantine together broken up and it's what they have to deal with and i personally really like the performances from these two they are uh a couple that definitely should not be together but it serves as sort of like a relationship drama but also a comedy um that's pretty much all i'll say about it uh i think it's in bod now probably wait till it's on streaming um even though i personally would give it a rent it because i I really enjoyed the dynamic between the two characters and i think is uh one of the funnier uh covid movies i guess that we've gone there was several covid movies just out of south by alone not to mention all of the other festivals that we've gone to but i, I thought this was a pretty good one and i'd give it the i'd give it the recommendation cool cool uh, a whole bunch of other things that are hitting theaters this weekend and over the course of, of this week uh, a lot of cool stuff voir which we'll probably talk about on next week's show just popped up on netflix mm-hmm. uh this week shout wolf, out tony wolf that we didn't get to earlier uh one thing that i know we're both curious about uh, but I don't think either of us has had the chance to see is Benedetta, the new one from Paul Verhoeven, the uh, lesbian mm-hmm. nuns movie, as a lot of people are talking about it. Uh, I'm curious about this one just because Paul Verhoeven, I think, is one of our our few film provoc- provocateurs out there. And yes, he you is. Know, I mean, they're they're people. I don't know if they're really protesting or if they're like hired protesters as a publicity stunt, but there are protesters showing up at some of these screenings. Yep, they were outside the music box. I know they were outside of New York uh, this past week. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to catching this one. I believe it's in French as well. So uh, two and a half hours, I'm hoping to... Uh, <laughs> I was going to be near an Alamo draft house, and I was hoping to catch this with a meal. But I saw the trailer, I'm like, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. Yeah. But yeah, this one is definitely on my radar. Um, another one that is out, I think, on VOD now is Silent Night. This one, I think, premiered back at TIFF or something like that. Uh, Mm -hmm. It is uh, kind of like a holidays movie, but given sort of like a dark treatment because there's this threat, uh, existential threat there, impending doom. And I don't know, for me, I just feel like it never really hit the right tone. It it was just kind of like, in some spaces dark for darkness sake and in others just like breezy in a way that didn't feel authentic to the characters it, it just never quite hit the right tone for me and the ending was much better when frank darabont did it like 2007 you know thank you yeah i think that was a way of Agreed. spoiling it without spoiling it without spoiling it yeah uh what else have we got uh available uh i think one of our first picks of the week is flea finally Available to see in theaters. We have been hyping this one up since Sundance. Uh, It is a really great documentary that I need to revisit uh, because I was kind of distracted. I was distracted by like some of the animation stuff, but the story has really stuck with me. I'm going to raise my rating of it. Um, it, It's a really beautifully told story uh, from uh, and and does this really interesting way thing of 
combining the animation to kind of make certain sequences come to life more. Um, yeah, I mean, this is definitely a front runner for the best documentary Oscar, maybe even the best and foreign film wins. Oscar. Yeah, you you are hoping what? it wins. Doc, foreign film is stacked right now. Foreign bro. film is There's really way stacked. too many for it. But I do. Uh, it would be really nice to see it uh, snatch a nomination because I think it, it deserves a nomination as well. Yeah. But definitely, Doc. I don't know why I had it all the way there. I, I like that movie a lot out of, out of Sundance. I'm going to bump that up, one up a little bit. Um, Pretty good. But yeah, I think this opened up in theaters. So definitely catch it in theaters. And hopefully, because it's neon, uh, it gets a VOD-type release soon. Yeah. Another one that is open in theaters now is one of my favorites of the year. I'm not sure we <laughs> share that assessment, though. Red Rocket, latest from Sean Baker, uh, a really interesting film about a down-and-out porn uh-huh. star going back home. Uh, and basically about, like, the worst guy you know and how he's able to charm his way through This is the worst person in, a... in the world. This is yeah, the worst that would have been a much better title for this movie. Not for the other movie, yes. <laughs> I, I found it to be really true in some aspects and really just hilariously uh, depraved in others. So I enjoyed yeah, my wow. experience with it, but you... I feel we agree. Everything you're saying I agree with you with. <laughs> It's just so out of pocket, man. It's yeah, so, maybe you just don't like ex- so that, that experience as much as I do. I, I look. There are a lot of elements in this movie that I could definitely say uh, stand out a lot. You know, Sean Baker's never one to not get uncomfortable, and Simon Rex really does kill. Look, I'm, I can't be unbiased to the fact that you know he killed his performance. He knocked it out of the park. They do some crazy stuff, man. Very uncomfortable movie at points, but hey, Red Rocket is out. Uh, I believe playing in theaters in most cities. Uh, and I, I think he's going to be serving up one of the nominations for Best Actor of the Year. I'd be really excited to see that. I mean, he he. I don't he's see got how such can. a low profile that it might be strange to have him, no. you know, next to Will Smith there. But you know, for sure, he's going to get it at the That's Indie funny. Spirits and stuff like that. Um, I would be really happy if he gets into the Oscars talk too. Um, we we mentioned Flea, another documentary that is probably going to be in the running for. The Oscars this year is The Rescue, the latest from Elizabeth Chai and Jimmy Chin, who previously brought us Free Solo, which is one of the best documentaries of the last few years. Uh, I think this one has some similar elements in terms of how it's able to kind of be an edge-of-your-seat thriller slash documentary. Um, they, they've mm-hmm. mastered that ability in their films. Although this one, I think the big difference is that you know they're mostly dealing with like archival footage and collected footage it's not stuff that they're out there shooting themselves and part of what made free solo so special is that they were out there shooting that stuff like getting into those risky situations um, and in imax that was a great experience i i just think that um that that's one of the big differences here that though while this is a really interesting story it is a little bit more of a typical documentary um that said it is like one of the most incredible human achievements is just this story. So I was gripped yeah. by this one. It's a big recommended from me, even if it's not necessarily like as uh, I don't think it should be like a front runner for the best documentary this year. Mm-hmm. It's so solid. And it's on Disney plus. That's crazy. So you can watch it at home. Cause I got so claustrophobic with this movie. I literally got, there's one element where I got nauseous when they were doing a dive, yeah. which one very effective in its editing. Right. And uh, two, you can watch it at home. So if you need to bar, if you're not doing that in theaters, you're not, you're not doing it into your mask. Exactly. exactly. Uh, another solid entry from them. Uh, another film from Sundance that we loved, another documentary, 
Try Harder finally hits theaters uh, over the past weekend, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. Really, really great look at the college application process uh, from the perspective of students at this one school in California. You know, we've seen a few different of these. Yeah, what is trilogy. What is the college process doing to our kids documentaries? And I think we both agree that this is maybe the best one of them. This is my favorite so far. Between this uh, and then there's Accepted, I want to say it was called, that we saw yeah. out of TIFF or South By. Then there was another one from Sundance as well uh, that I am blanking on at the moment. But I know it's available on Hulu right now, uh, dealing Homeroom? with kids from Oakland. Homeroom, I yeah. believe, yeah. I think so. Um, but yeah, no, there's been this trifecta of these like students uh, and the different obstacles that they have to face. And this one was just fantastic, just seeing the little... Uh, stories from each of the characters' perspective, not even characters, real-life students, and uh, what they have to do um, to be able to get into these schools. And it's crazy because I know this is the high school version of that. We also had seen one that we covered from uh, a doc competition about uh, them in elementary before they even make it to middle school. Chasing Childhood, that was another good one, yeah. Chasing Childhood, so, I mean, you could watch all of these. (laughs) If you're going to become a parent, you know, just watch them back to back so you know what you're going to get into. Each stage of life. Each stage of life, literally. Uh, yes, no, highly recommend Chasing Childhood. That one's also is available on VOD. And uh, I will pull up Accepted here just to uh, be thorough, you know, let people know. Because these documentaries, they kind of – they can use your love. These aren't the uh, big blockbusters that are showing up in every movie theater. Yep. Is this the one that we saw? And then Homeroom. Yeah, don't put the one yeah. about them trying to get into the school with Justin Long or whatever. That movie yeah, was. exactly, right? Completely different Accepted. Yeah, no. This one right here, this is also very interesting, completely different demographic, trying to get into uh, high school or uh, college. And then also Homeroom, which is streaming on Hulu. That one I also enjoyed about the students in Oakland and uh, what what they're going through in terms of the way that they run the schools over there. So just yeah. a lot of fantastic documentaries that uh, premiered at a bunch of these festivals playing now. And many of which I'm sure are going to get a bunch of, uh, be it you know the smaller award nominations for critic circles in terms of docs. But I'm hoping one of these maybe edges it out and even is able to score the big one. So yeah, uh, I enjoyed all of these. Definitely put these on the on your radar. Hulu uh, has Homeroom also, so that's another one that should be pretty easy for some people to watch. Oh, uh, let's go with two quick TV suggestions here because Pen Fifteen is back for the second part of its second season, and what they kind of sneak revealed is its final stream of episodes. Um, I that's great. Was not expecting the show to end so quickly but you know i think it's been like just a joy uh to have around and uh and, you know i'm glad that it also introduced me to maya and anna as these really gifted comedic performers maya in particular i think is going to have a huge career in comedies but i really have enjoyed pen 15 i think it's a really uh precise show it has a very specific uh point of view that resonates with me as somebody who's maybe close to their age. Um, yeah, I, I just like the show a lot. I'm definitely going to miss it. And yeah, shout out to my boy, Michael, who I think uh, had the uh, co-editing cred- credit on the finale. So, yeah. Okay, nice. Solid show. I think they're moving on to bigger things. That's one of the one of the best things you can hope for when right, a show ends. Right. Uh, but elsewhere on TV, The Boy is Back. How He's to back. John Wilson. With a bang. An unreal first two episodes. He's raised his game, I think, so far already in these first two episodes uh, with the real estate episode and the wine episode. The wine episode, incredible. I don't want to spoil 
the celebrity that shows up, but it is just one of the craziest pulls in a show that has a bunch of crazy pulls. Uh, I Bruh, have... I'm going to show up to places and just say I'm with HBO. <laughs> I think I have HBO South by Southwest. Is that all you got to do? Because honestly, I think I see the one on well, Showtime. Okay, we're, we're part of Showtime. Yeah. <laughs> That's sometimes all you need. So unreal, dude. And my thing is uh, they leave it open. You know, he kind of did that with the real estate episode, mm-hmm. but now it, it very much seems like in episode four or five, this may be a storyline that comes back. Right. So it's almost like building a world because the real estate episode also sort of comes back to the landlord thing. And exactly. I, I also love I I want to go good. back to the first season and see if this is see if I'm correct. But I think he's kind of deployed like a really subtle. Wow, like every now and then this year that is just so perfectly timed and undermining what's ever on screen. It, it he's it's such a special show for so many reasons and if you haven't gotten on board with how to with John Wilson like just ha- you have to. You have to. He's so you, favorite. It's so good. I think that's about all for our picks for the week though. Yep. That's pretty much all that we have. A uh, reminder to get your Matrix what was it, Resurrections tickets. They are on sale. I know someone had asked us the question about it not playing on Tuesdays. I don't think that's a Spider-Man thing. Maybe you'll be limited on what the screenings will be, but it is an HBO thing. That's one of the things that's very upsetting. HBO refuses to get the opening night one, so you got to see it at 12. And look, my theater that I was going to go to already sold out. So if you're going to get tickets, score some up. They have revealed that it is going to have a 190 aspect ratio so watch it in imax if you can i am so excited for it tomorrow there's also they're they're doing the the matrix reissue where they've reformatted the original to fit imax so a spider-man matrix they got the kingsman ones coming out you got uh, way too much stuff sing to zach yeah we are gonna be yeah especially sing to full throttle we are going to be at the movies a lot um i'm going to go see don't look up tonight I know you're going to go see West Side Story, I think, tonight. West Side Story, because they got okay. a special Q&A. Maybe some of y'all can snatch some up. Uh, they have a special Q&A in IMAX. Again, I saw it in Dolby. I'm curious to see what different things they do for IMAX uh, with a special Q&A with Spielberg and then supposedly the entire cast. So, uh, yeah, bunch of screeners coming up. We got that Spider-Man early screener, too. So, yeah, uh, it's going to be very exciting, dude. A lot of really exciting stuff to talk about as we get closer and closer to the end of the year and that doesn't even mention that we're going to do our best of the year at some point at some point we got to bring on amanda and and run through what the best 2021 has had to offer so a lot of fun stuff uh left to talk about but that's all for this week's show and a reminder that if you head over to the patreon uh become a member for as little as one dollar you can catch us on the google hangout after this uh, but catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterboxd, at Zshevich, that's Z-S-H-E-V as in Sex Vegas, I-C-H. Art, where can people find more from you? You can find me at LME uh, over on YouTube, over on Twitter, over on Letterboxd, and every week here on the Intercut Podcast. You can listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, uh, on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, whatever your favorite podcatcher is. I like Overcast. And then make sure you're subscribed not just to the audio podcast, but to the video feed as well on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash intercutpod, where you can watch our bright, smiling faces as we run through the latest in entertainment. Find new episodes of Intercut every Monday. And please leave a comment, like the videos, and consider heading over to iTunes to give us that much-requested five-star review. Shout-out to our listeners in Belgium and Indonesia for putting us on the TV and film 
Film Podcast charts out there. Also, shout out to those of you who've been so kind as to send your Spotify raps or whatever it is uh, to, to that when you've had Intercut on it. That's so cool to see when we show up on people's Spotify raps. Apparently, we had our first listeners in Nicaragua this year. So, shouts to all of you there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always cool Take to that, Kanye. <laughs> always cool to hear from uh, the people, the intercuties out there listening to the stuff. Uh, make sure you like our Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. All of them are at InterCutPod to get updates throughout the week from me, from Art, from all the guests that we feature here on InterCut. Thanks again for tuning in, and until next time, took the wrong drugs in the wrong order, and now I can't get happy. Succession. It's just full of so many good quotes to choose from.